0: Well, good morning. Good to be back with you after a couple weeks off uh, as I heard their stories and heard Jeannie's stories, just really reminded that we are a community of people who have each of us a story of God's grace in our lives. Yes? Uh, Do you know your story of God's grace? Uh, It's a unique story of how uh, God has transformed your life. And here's what I was struck by as George and Gabe shared. For all of us, our story of God's grace in our life is connected to uh, almost always someone else. In other words, God's grace was ministered to us through an individual. And the privilege that Tony shared about is the privilege of being that individual uh, of having experienced God's grace to then be equipped to be an instrument of seeing other people experience God's grace. If that is not something that you have experienced, that's what God has for us in this community of not only celebrating as we have this morning God's grace, but being instruments through which God ministers that grace to other people. That's great joy. So uh, this coming week is Thanksgiving. Excited about that? Uh, I hope so. And again, not just the opportunity to feast a bunch, but uh, exercise some discipline on that one, but to gather Tuesday night and together as a body and celebrate. What has God done this year? And Matt never gives me the mic on our Thanksgiving service, so I'm gonna get us started, since I won't get it Tuesday night. And I want us to, to give thanks for what those numbers, 10 things that I'm grateful for that God has done in 2019. First of all, 73 represents the number of people like Georgia and Gabe who received biblical counsel this year for God's transforming grace in their lives. Not only from this church, but from the community. 73 different folks went through our counseling. Seven represents the number of folks who did what Tony talked about, got certified this year. Seven new individuals certified this year. And let me tell you why that's so important. Because 129 people sought biblical counsel from the chapel. Only 73 received it. You know why? Because the others went to a waiting list. So I'm grateful for those who received it, grateful for those who are certified to be able to share in it, but asking God for more in 2020. Uh, 126 people entered into relationship with God through faith in Christ this year through the ministry of Christian Family Chapel. Super, ch- we asked the Lord for 110, 126 thus far. We have five of them this week, just Wednesday night at our junior high outreach. So that God is seeing his grace in our children's ministry and our youth ministry, junior high, senior high, college, and adults, that 126 of all age groups. And the year's not over. In fact, I don't usually like to talk about Christmas before Thanksgiving, but would you, as you celebrate what God has done this year in terms of salvation, would you ask yourself, who might we pray for and invite to our Christmas Eve services this year as we will, again, by God's grace, declare the gospel and give folks an opportunity to believe and be born again? Uh, folks who would never come to church will be a part of Christmas Eve if you'll invite them. So, rejoicing in 126, asking the Lord for more. 86 folks who were publicly declared their faith through baptism. 2,000 homes saturated with the gospel through CFC in just the 32257. 41,000 not people. 41,000 dollars given this year to those who needed help who could not help themselves through our Radiosity Fund. So what you gave last year is the gift that's been given this year, $41,000 given to folks in need through our Radiosity. 89 folks who took the gospel not to this community but to the nations through our short-term mission trips, 39 of them being first time. So really, really grateful. First time of going and participating in God's mission for the world. And 256, final number, $256,000 that we are short in our budget as we go into year end. Now you're going, oh, you're thankful for that one? Actually, I am. I'm thankful because we have a unique opportunity between now and year end to say, Lord, we are trusting in you. And we get the privilege of being instruments in and through which God does his work as he has thus far. And so, you know, would we, the scripture says, Lord, don't make me rich that I would forget you. So we will be profoundly dependent upon the Lord. So here's what I'm asking. As we're thankful for what God has done, would you, recognizing that's, that represents a deficit in addition to what we ask, trust the Lord for every week of almost a little more than $50,000 each week, would you do this? Would you say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? I am confident of this very thing, that if you will ask the Lord, this is what I love about Jesus as the head of Christian Family Chapel. If you'll ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then our responsive to every he leads, we can be absolutely confident with whatever comes in. We can trust in him. So this is what I mean. Am I thankful for this? Yes, because we live in constant dependence upon the Lord. And it's good when we have reminders of Lord we cannot do this in and of ourselves we can't just make this happen so would you do this would you say Lord what do you want me to do and then do whatever he says and we will be confident with however the Lord leads us so father I want to begin that process by right now leading us is your body, your congregation here at Christian Family Chapel saying, thank you for all that you have done and are doing in this year. And as Lord, as we, we look at that deficit, we recognize that this is your church and we are your body. And all that we have belongs to you. So Lord, whatever you want us to do personally, we invite you to lead us by your spirit. And we wanna in this moment say, Lord, we don't fix our hope in our riches or our stuff, we fix our hope on you. As you lead, Lord, as you speak to our hearts, uh, then we will give in obedience to you and love for you and trusting in you. And thank you in advance, Lord, I want to say thank you now, long before December 31. Thank you now, Lord, for how you will lead your body at Christian Family Chapel to the praise of your glory in Christ's name, amen. All right, so would you take your Bible now? Grab it in your hand. See, some of you already turned there to First Thess 5. If you haven't, turn there to First Thess 5. And I want you to, as you hold your Bible in your hand, I want you to think, what words come to your mind when you hold the scriptures? What, what word coming to your mind? Wisdom, holy. What? Complete. Complete. Truth. Truth, authority. Trust. Answers. Answers. Blessed. Blessed. It's interesting when you think, what, what works Because I know some of you are like, oh, I'm not calling out, but there's stuff in your head. <laughs> that's, that's all right. What comes to our mind? When we think about the scriptures, uh, I think will determine our future. Because what, what we do with this book, and we'll see it this morning, what we do with this book determines our future. And so we've been in a, if you've been here for a while, we're in a routine. And we are potentially dangerously becoming into a ritual of declaring something about this book. And so not as a ritual, but as a fresh reminder of, here's the words that come to our mind when we hold the scriptures, Uh, let's declare this together. This is God's word, his heart revealed. I humbly declare his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I will not lean on my own understanding, but incline my heart now to receive his word so that I may excel still more in filling the earth with his glory by walking in his truth and loving all people as he has loved me. Now that, that declaration has been what we have made every single Sunday, unless I've forgotten, <laughs> since we started First Thess 4. And now we come to 1 Thess 5, verse 20. And it could never be more appropriate than do not despise prophetic utterances. I'm grateful that none of you said despise as your word when you thought about the scriptures. If you did, you probably wouldn't be here this morning. But I want us to see that actually... Though we would never say despise, maybe sometimes we actually do. So what do we mean by prophetic utterances? What are prophetic utterances? Well, to the Thessalonians, there's two parts to the answer to that question. What are prophetic utterances? To the Thessalonians, it was the unfolding revelation of God's word through men right then. Uh, Understand what you're saying. Uh, What I'm saying is you write that down. Uh, I'm saying that when the Thessalonians read the letter that Paul wrote to them, they were for the first time reading that section of the scriptures. That's kind of weird for us. But it was at that time the scripture unfolding. It was being developed. You understand they didn't have the New Testament. All they had was the Old Testament. They didn't have the Gospels yet written in for them to to read. So when they read this letter, they were reading the Scriptures for the very first time uh, in terms of Thessalonians. That's why when we began this section, Excel Still More, uh, we talked about, For you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. In other words, Paul was not writing like I would speak to my kids. Hey, here's what I think you ought to do. Talked to my son yesterday. He said, uh, I was giving him perspective. And he kept saying, but dad, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do with your perspective. See, I, Paul wasn't giving them perspective. He was giving them, So one of you said it, authority. Why? Because it was from the Lord Peter says it this way but know this first of all that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will but men moved by the Holy Spirit did what spoke from God so what Paul was giving them was from God As he wrote it down, he was writing what the Lord was giving to him. But the writing that was happening then has ceased. So if I send you an email, it's not scripture. But when Paul wrote them, then it was scripture. Scripture. So don't despise prophetic utterances for them meant what was unfolding, what Paul was saying to them right now. For us, don't despise prophetic utterances. Prophetic utterances in our day, they represent speaking forth what God has already spoken. See, it was what he is speaking then. It is now what he has already spoken. You see the difference? So these are the scriptures is the collection, if you will, of God's word. It is the prophetic utterances, the inspired word, uh, which may raise a question for you. <laughs> Who decided what God included in the Bible? You ever wonder that if if the letter to the Thessalonians got included, who decided that got included? And how did they decide? Ever wonder that? If you didn't, you might think, thinking, yeah, I should have wondered that. that. That's an interesting question. How did that happen? I've just kind of always thought, well, the Bible, the Bible. How did I get the Bible? How, who decided what was in the Bible? So here's a word for you, Canon. Not like the military weapon. One end, not two. Uh, the word is canon. It, it, it's the process by which they, the measured, what if it met the measure of this is God's word. And uh, this question, I didn't talk about this Thursday night, but the question came up afterwards. And so uh, uh, I don't have moments to talk about it, but I can give you this. If you can't answer the question, how did we get the Bible? And who decided and how did they decide? Use this word canon. Go to gotquestions.org and just type that in their search, and you'll get some really great articles that will teach you the history of how we got the scriptures and who decided and how they decided. Now, some of you may go, oh, that doesn't really, that doesn't trip me up. But you might meet some folks who it trips them up. Or it might help you have some confidence. So this is a great website for any question you have, actually. Got questions, got word. I have rarely found an answer on that website that I went, hmm. I think I, I've rarely found one that I disagreed with. So go and you can read multiple articles in answer to this question if, if you're not sure how we got the Bible and who decided. I simply want to because all I can do right now in this moment is to explain to you that when he says don't despise prophetic utterances he's saying to you in this day don't despise this. You think, well, I, I wouldn't despise the scriptures. Well, we'll see in a moment. It, it begins, a, it, it, those surfaces another other questions. It, if this is God's word, but there are no more things to add to the scripture, are we saying that God doesn't speak anymore? Does God still speak? This is is a pretty debatable question in our day. Does God still speak? And let's be clear. Does he speak on the level of scripture in our day? Not in this sense. He does not speak on a level beyond scripture on this day that is binding to all people. I'm going to show you this from the scripture in a moment. But here's what I want you to capture. That the Holy Spirit may speak to an individual today. Since, and you'll understand more if you'll go read. Since the canon has been closed, God still speaks. He may speak to an individual, but two qualifiers. It's never contrary to the word of God. So if, uh, if somebody says, well, God told me to blow up the abortion clinic. Not true. Not true. It would in contrary to the word of God. Never contrary to the word of God, nor binding on all people. Or really, anybody other than who it was spoken to. So, you know, I went to Columbia Bible College. That's what it was called back then. And they would name it Columbia Bridal College. And, and every once in a while, a guy would like, Pull this stunt with a girl. Well, God told me to marry you. To which she could appropriately say, what? Well, unless he tells me, we'll have to see. Because God's word, God's word is not binding on her (laughs) in terms of what he said to him. Whether he said it or not, or whether he was playing the God card. Watch, plenty of people in our present day want to put God, well, God told me on it, outside of the scripture to reinforce authority. Because it's abused, sometimes we go, God doesn't speak anymore. But we have examples in scripture of God speaking in a manner that was personal to an individual that isn't, it's a part of scripture, but it's not scripture in the sense that it's not binding on all people of all time. A couple examples from Paul from the book of Acts. It says, And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. You know what's happening here? Paul's like, whoa, there's resistance to the gospel. Should I go? Should I stay? And the Lord says to him, stay and you won't be harmed. Now, can everybody for all time and all place go, well, I can speak the word of God in confidence that God told Paul he wouldn't be harmed, so I won't be harmed? No. This was the word of the Lord specifically given to Paul for that moment. Not binding on all people. God spoke to him. And he stayed. In Acts 23. But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, this is Paul again, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my calls at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. Now, who said that? The Lord said it to him. Is it on the level of Scripture, even though it's recorded in Scripture? Is it on the level of Scripture? If so, all of us need to book a flight to Rome now. You see what I'm saying? See, I'm not saying this part wasn't inspired. I am saying what he said to Paul was uniquely for Paul, not on the level of Scripture. So could God speak to someone today? Yes, he may. He may speak to someone today. But it's not binding on all people, and it is he may. What I want us to understand is this. If we say, no, God could never speak today, then we are despising prophetic utterance. If we say, well, if God doesn't speak to me personally, then I'm not going to read this. And that's despising prophetic utterance. It's a little bit about what the, the Corinthians were doing. They were elevating this gift of tongues over the gift of prophecy. And Paul said, hey, I'll take a word from the Lord over tongues any and every day. They were despising prophetic utterance. So, Notice this, there's a third occasion in Acts 16. But every time Paul, excuse me, the Lord, spoke personally to Paul, you know what he was doing? (laughs) What the scripture said. So don't get into this place of, well, I I need to hear from the Lord personally. You need to hear from the Lord personally? (laughs) Hear from the Lord personally. And as, as you are hearing and responding to the Lord, as he has revealed himself, this prophetic utterance, he may, he may, he doesn't have to, he may speak personally to you. So don't despise, those moments. You may go, well, Doug, has the, the Lord spoken to you thousands of times? And a couple of occasions, personally, outside of the scriptures, never contrary to scriptures, but very specific to my personal story. One of the reasons that I do what I do, teach the scriptures is because the Lord said, go to Columbia, be a Bible teacher. I was seeking the Lord, I was listening to the Lord, I was actually studying the scriptures at the moment when the Lord spoke to my heart. So let's not despise prophetic utterances that the Lord may speak individually, but let's not despise prophetic utterances And ignore this. See what I'm saying? The the overwhelming testimony of God speaking is captured in the scriptures. So what's it mean to despise it? We've used that word a number of times from the text. What's it mean to, to despise God's word? Well, definition of despise is to treat as lacking value, to cast aside as nothing. So to despise the, the word of God is to treat it as if it lacks value. To treat it as if it's really nothing. In a practical, this, this actually gave me some, something very tangible. This word despise used in 1 Thess 5.20 is also used in the gospel in this occasion. And Herod, with his soldiers, after treating him, Jesus, with contempt and mocking him, this contempt, same word as don't despise in First Thess, Thess 5.20. Dressed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. So my point is simply this. When he says don't despise prophetic utterance, he says it's to do with God's word what the soldiers did with God's son. And that's vivid for me for this reason, folks. Because most of us would look and go, ah, oh, I could never do to Jesus what they did to Jesus. It's, it's horrific to think about. But could we do to the Word of God what they did to the Son of God? You no, no, I would never spit on it, I would never beat it, I'd never tear pages out of a start of fire. I, I wouldn't treat it that way. And you probably wouldn't. But there may be some ways I know for myself that I have been guilty of despising God's word, even though I've never torn pages out of it or spit on it or thrown it in the trash can. See, if I, threw my, if I brought a trash can up here and threw my Bible on it, you'd be like, oh, okay, that's too far, right? You don't treat God's word that way. Here's how we who think we would never despise might actually despise God's word. First, when we ignore it. You don't have to despise. You don't have to spit on something to despise it. You can simply treat it as lacking value by ignoring, right? Because how how do we reveal the value we put on something? I, I think we reveal value by how we, but how we treat it, right? ever get new carpet in your house? Yeah, and then the way you treat new carpet in your house is often different than the way you treat five-year-old carpet in your house. Seriously? You don't get that? Yeah. I, I don't know, Maybe that's just true in our house. It's, oh, it's new carpet. When I walked in here after being gone a couple of weeks, I was like, mm, oh, wow. New carpet, new carpet, no drinks. <laughs> and then you get a few stains and it's like, oh, we got to replace it anyway. Right? Have you ever treated a rental car differently than your car? Ah, yeah, you did, didn't you? It's like, it's a rental. (laughs) We reveal what we value by how we treat it. And ignoring, you may go, I didn't spit on it. You didn't need to. To ignore it is to despise it because despising is treating as lacking of value. And when we value something, we give attention to it. And we despise it, we ignore it. See, I've taken us to, in the last year, Proverbs 2 a number of times because Christian Family Chapel, if you're new here, if you've been around for a long time, I hope you can go, oh, absolutely, we are committed to this book We are committed to the authority of this book. We're committed to teach this book. We build this ministry on this book. We don't go, well, what do we think we're good at? We go, what has God called us to do? How has he revealed himself in the scriptures? We are committed implicitly to this book. So Proverbs 2 gives us eight actions of the opposite of despising. He says, my son... If you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure. That's, that's valuing God's word right there. That's the opposite of despising. Receiving it, treasuring it, making my ear attentive to it, inclining my heart to it, crying for it, lifting my voice for it, seeking for it, searching for it. That's the opposite of despising. So friends, don't despise the scriptures. I'm not saying, hey, stop spitting on it, stop throwing it in your trash can. I don't think you're doing that. I am saying, stop ignoring it. Because ignoring despises. Love the scriptures. Receive them. Treasure them. Make your ear attentive. incline your heart to them. Cry for them. Search them. Seek them. You see, that's, that's what we do when we recognize this is God's word. His heart revealed higher than me, wiser than me, authority over me. The psalmist declares, how blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And that that's when you value something, when you're thinking about it day and night. See, I don't know what wakes you up. And when you wake up, what are you thinking about? Work, finances, kids. What do you what do you man, the psalmist goes, when I wake up, I'm thinking about that which I treasure. Watch. And he'll be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does, he prospers. What did I begin with? What you do with this book will determine your future. It really will. If your future is one that will be, you will be firmly planted, you will be established, you'll be not what the scripture says, tossed here and fro like a little kid getting beat around in the surf. Fruitful, blessed, not withering. This is not rocket science. It's very predictable. The marriages that are last are marriages that are built on the scriptures. That's husband and wife. You want a blessed home, build it on the scriptures. Delight in the scriptures. We want a blessed church. that's delight in the scriptures. Let's meditate on the scriptures. Just ask yourself an honest question. What did you do with the scriptures in the past seven days? You're like, oh man, it's just busy season. Come on, Doug, not a, not a cool time to ask. You know what I found? It's always busy. That's funny. It's so what I learned during my 21 days of fasting. Well, I just won't eat sweets and special occasions. There's just like special occasions all the stinking time. We're always busy. So, what do we treasure? Christian Family Chapel, I'm pleading you with all my heart this morning this morning that we would, we would treasure this book, that we would hear the word of the Lord and not despise prophetic utterances by ignoring it, by letting it sit on our shelf or sit in our car or never open it, to only, to only drink from it, to only hear from it when you show up for church. That's not enough. But for you today day and night go, I know what I long for my future and I believe that my future is determined by what I do with this book. I hope you'll go home with a fresh commitment today that regardless of the season, regardless of the business, I am not gonna ignore the scriptures. It's too valuable to ignore. It's too rich to set aside. It's better than new carpet. It's better than a new car. I'm going to give attention to it. Guys, it's not till March. Would you, would you mark your calendar now? Uh, I have been so captured by Proverbs. It's where I've been in recent weeks that for our men's retreat this year, we're going to look at the book of Proverbs, guys, wise guys or foolish guys, all depending on what we do with this book. I, I cannot believe the wisdom stored up for us in, in Proverbs. And so uh, I am simply challenging now, get in on here. I'm putting this date up now. You can actually pull your phone out now, if you want, put it in your calendar. Wives, if you do your calendar, pull it out, put it in for them. right now, March 2021, 20, simply 24 hours for us to go. Do we want to be men who are firmly planted and fruitful, who do not wither? It's right there in the scriptures. I'm excited for us to look together. I hope you'll, I hope you'll join us. How else do we despise the word, potentially? Well, we despise the word. We show it lacks value when we equate or even elevate the faults of men to the wisdom of God. In other words, there's something very powerful about this book in that it, is, it represents the wisdom of God. And if it's the wisdom of God, this book ought to be elevated over every single other book in our lives. This is why at Christian Family Chapel, we have our Bible man. (laughs) The guy who stands like this, not like this. You may go, well, this is better than in the trash can. I'm not so sure. I ask myself as an earthly father, which bugs me more My son who doesn't ask me and just does what he thinks or my son who does ask me and then does what he thinks. You want to bop them both. So, which is more offensive to our God who has spoken to us? To ignore his word or to hear it and then go, yeah, but My my, my favorite author says this. This this shouldn't be complicated for us, but but I gotta address this, folks. We're sometimes despising prophetic utterances because we take what we learned at college and elevate it over the scriptures. Or we take what we read by an author and we elevate it, what this author said despising prophetic utterances is to equate other utterances with it. They're not equal. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness. You see, if I want to know ultimately what's true on something... And I go to the scriptures. What's the scripture say? And then I go, "Oh, I'm in." This engaged couple up here, <laughs> AJ and Spencer, been doing premarital with them, and I just got, I'll tell you, tell you, uh, when we look at the scriptures, it's just been really fun for them to go, "Ah, oh, well." Well, that's what we'll do then. It's exactly what they've said. Well, that's what we'll do then. Don't despise prophetic utterances. See, it wasn't true that their relationship was always here. But as they're receiving the word, I commend you. As you're receiving the word, their relationship's coming under authority. I'm not against other books unless they trump this book. And then that's not the book's problem. That's your problem. (laughs) This is my favorite author. If I have one book to read, it's this book. Because this wisdom is unchanging. And this is the wisdom that will bless you. Don't ignore it. And Don't equate it with the faults of a bunch of other people. This has authority. Third, we despise it when we're hearers, but then not doers. You may go, yeah, we know that, Doug. We know that. I, I, I wonder if, I wonder if we do, because watch. This, this, this point comes from James 1, where he says, but prove yourselves very specifically doers of the word and not merely hearers who say it. Delude themselves. So what's that mean? Deceive themselves. They think wrongly about themselves. See the problem with the problem with hearing the word, but then not doing the word is somehow we then become deceived into thinking, well, yeah, I already know that. And because I know it, I am mature. But you're not. To know it and not do it is not maturity. It's worse than maturity. It's worse than immaturity. It's deception. How many of you have been following Jesus five years or more? Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. If your hand is up right now, you are most prone to despise in this way. Because you have heard and heard and heard and heard and heard and heard. And so much so that even this morning, you may have a couple times thought, yeah, I've heard this before. And sometimes the more we hear, and then if we don't do, the more deceived, not sometimes, the more we hear without doing, the more deceived we become. And that's, that's just dangerous. And so uh, if you're in a family group and they do the questions that I send out, uh, almost the always the first question is, how were you challenged or encouraged By the scriptures this week, and often the last question is this What are you going to do differently this week because of what the passage said? And I know in our family group, when I get to that question, So, what are you going to do differently this week? And there's always like, Well, what's up with that? I, I I don't know. We're in grave danger. Of being deceived. Because we're hearing the scriptures. And it's intended to, to be responded to. So that when we respond to the scriptures, we grow in wisdom. And as we grow in wisdom and we grow in understanding of God, then what happens? We become firmly planted. We become fruitful. We become men and women who don't wither. Whose future. is blessed. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. It's just a disposition. Don't despise this. Oh, I know we're not throwing, we're not doing to it what Jesus, what the soldiers did to Jesus, but we're doing our own version when we ignore, when we equate, and we hear and we don't do. Can I encourage you family groups? Force force the question. No, 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 no. Uh, what are we going to do? In fact, what are you going to do differently this week in light of what we just said? Five words, do not despise prophetic utterances. What are you going to do differently this week? Anything? I hope so. You see, the one who looks intently at the perfect law. There's a great word. What do you think when you think about this word? Perfect. The law of liberty. Do you ever think that word when you think the scriptures? Freedom. Or do you think, restriction. Ah, I don't wanna read my Bible, it's gonna tell me what I have to stop doing. I wanna stop what I wanna do. I don't wanna stop, I just stopped. Is this freedom? you got to answer this. See, if this is freedom, if I really believe that the word of God is freedom, then I'm going to look intently because who doesn't want freedom? And abides by it, does it? Not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. It's not rocket science. So, what are we going to do with this book? He says, Thessalonians, I'm saying, Chapel, don't despise it. Oh, I don't tear it out. I don't start fires with it. I don't spit on it. No, don't ignore it. Treasure it. Elevate it. Act on it. So, moving from despising to delighting in God's Word. Three movements. Three movements that I want you to ask yourself okay, which movement? There's no blanks for this one. This is for you right now. We've already talked about it. What movement needs to happen in your life in light of the Scriptures to move from absent to present? Is it absent? largely. And the, the first move is from absent to present. That's the first move. Maybe that's your move. Or to move from present, it's present, but your move is to here, to under. Or is it a move from under to, to action? You may go, oh, you can't be under and not do it. Yeah, folks, I agree with that, except the deception is many of us would say, uh, yeah, I'm under the word of God, but no, I don't have any intention of doing anything, anything differently this week with it. Under leads to action. So I want I to say first of all I hope you're encouraged that this is of great value. And I love this book. I love how it has led my life. And I long that it would lead your life as well that you would build your life on it, that you'd build your family on it, that you'd build your marriage on it, that you'd build your finances on it, that you'd build your work on it, that you'd build your friendships on it, that you would build the purpose for which you get up tomorrow morning on this. But you can't build your life on it if you don't know it. So, which is your move? Absent to present, present to under, under to action. Do you know? Would you take just a quiet moment there in your seat before the Lord and simply in your own heart declare before him, Lord, as a reflection that I value your word, here's what I'm going to do. Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking to us. Christ's name, amen. Two thoughts before you go. You may go, I've tried this before. I started and then I stopped. There's no point in starting again. I I, I know some of you are thinking that. Uh, That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you don't start because you might stop, who wins? So don't buy that one. You may go, man, I'm with you. I want to start. I don't know where. How about this? 1 Thessalonians. You may go, we've been talking about that for weeks, months. I agree. Don't be a forgetful here. Most of us don't need to hear new things. Most of us need to hear the same thing with new ears. So I would actually encourage maybe even challenge you would you read first Thessalonians just a chapter a day every day between now and year end when you finish just start again so that you won't be a forgetful hearer but a effectual doer who will be blessed so uh, don't not stop start because you might stop and don't go look for something new read first Thessalonians a chapter a day between now and year end Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it. Amen. God bless.